So, boys, I feel like we've been in this scenario. I feel like this is this whole week has been like some serious deja vu <laughs> that I wasn't ready to be deja vuing because when we when we were doing this last year, we were all saying, "I hope it's a long time before we have to deal with this again." But apparently, yeah. nature and the river had other plans. Well, I was going through all the footage yesterday from this year. And uh, it's amazing how, like you said, deja vu, but it's amazing how you say, well, I, you know, the next couple of days that we'll be here, I'm going to go shoot this and get this and get this and shoot this. And you think, I just shot that. Yeah. But it was a year ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems like we're going through the same scenario mm-hmm. with the river. Yeah, well, like we all know this, and, and for, you, for those of y'all um, listening, uh, when the river starts coming up, like we're talking about, it gets to a certain point where we can't access the Mississippi portion of Cottonmouth uh, without using a boat. And yeah, we get cut off. There's some dips and dives up there in the north part of Mississippi, and water right. comes in there at a certain level, and you can't get through there without and, a boat. Yeah, and you, I mean, when we, I mean, you probably could get through there at you know some of those levels if you absolutely had to, but there's, I mean, it's easier to use a boat at that point. Yeah. And when that happened, you know, we, we kind of made – we knew it was getting close. We'd gone through there on the road the day before, and we were like, let's check that spot one more time. We got to it, couldn't cross it. We're like, well, we're boating now. <laughs> I rode mm-hmm. off in there, put the front tires in, and it kept going. And I was like, oh, put it in reverse. Well, you know, the key to using the boat, reverse, though, Terry? is the, – Using the boat is one thing, is getting there. But the other thing is, yeah, you could probably get there on, on a Polaris, but then you're going through all the deer that have been misplaced and right, displaced. Yeah. And before you know it, you got deer scattered everywhere. So going by boat gets us into a central location where literally you don't bump any deer or, or don't bother any deer or pressure any deer. So I I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. But it is pretty frustrating. Well, that's why was, well, the whole point of why I brought that up is when we discovered that and then we still needed to go look because that's when we were um, duck hunting still. We, me and Jordan were going to go look at some spots for the last morning that those ceasefire guys were going to be here. We got in that boat and – we're riding across cutting through and looked at jordan i said this seems way too familiar <laughs> yeah like i was not ready to be doing this again well the first time you and i did it lake jordan wasn't working here yet. it was in 2015 if you remember when a flood mm-hmm. came and you and i were riding around picking up double bull blinds off of our platforms and some of our food plots that now look like lakes and lakes big yeah. ponds and it was um you know growing up on the water which we've all been on water as young men and young boys but growing up on the water and and watching what this river does and the effect that it has, and now it's becoming a almost a annual event. Um, Seems like it. Uh, me and a, me and a good friend of ours uh, yesterday were talking, Will Walker, and um, it's if you really look at, you can't put any one finger on how and what it causes and. A lot of people that doesn't live in the Mississippi Delta region don't understand, but oh, the heater just kicked on. Pause. Must be cold outside. Okay. Back good. Back good. Oh, Troy was talking when I had to go. The yeah, AC cut on. on the, the heater cut on. The river itself. Um, was talking with a good friend of ours, Will Walker, yesterday who basically grew up on the river, so to speak. And um, and even talking to people that own properties, and it's kind of like 
reminds me of 12, 15 years ago when everybody was had a million assumptions on why we don't have ducks. The ducks are stopping up north, and everybody had assumptions of what was going on and the assumptions of the river, what's causing the river to do this. And you look back in history, back in the 20s and 30s, it's a cycle, but a lot has changed. Farming practices, in my opinion, are one of the big um, factors in it. Uh, take, for instance, I know y'all have probably noticed it when we're driving on the main highway to go around because now we got to come in from the north end of the property and look at those ditches that they just mm -hmm. redug again. They're doing that yeah. every year because they do silt in a little bit. But some of the places we drive by, um, gosh, you used to drive around here and, and there were ducks in the ditches, ducks in the fields, and water sitting in the corner of every agricultural field. That don't happen anymore from here to Minnesota. Um, you know, with, with zero grade and understanding it, the, the water, it just doesn't sit anymore. So, and where does it go? It drains from the fields to the streams to the rivers to the main river. And the Mississippi River drains 60% of North America. The, or you, the United yeah, States. It's a lot of water, man. And 60%. A lot of water. Comes right through here. And back in the day, out of that 60%, 40 of it stayed in, in fields and ponds and rivers and uh, smaller rivers and streams and yeah it all eventually came down through here but it was a gradual effect yeah yeah and and a lot of it was absorbed too and, you mm -hmm. know a lot of it sat in places and i remember riding around in the delta which i didn't grow up here but i had some friends that lived here and we swapped out duck hunting trips they would come down to louisiana to shoot pintails and i'd come up here to shoot greenheads yeah one thing that that i thought was interesting is i was talking to brad about this and um brad has his has his uh I don't know which it's just a document statistics or whatever of uh flood dates during hunting that flood stage during hunting season since the year going back to the year 1915 yeah and the cycles of it were interesting because kind of you know i think everyone that hunts along the river inside the levee anywhere in there is especially after last year with the how long the water stayed up is just kind of gun shy and it's happened so often it seems like people are starting to wonder like is this the new normal is this what yeah. we're going to have to deal with every year but you look at this thing that that brad sent me and you have like a so like 1915 1916 flood stage then you had like a three-year break then it came back up in 1919 then you had another three-year break 1923 uh 1926 1929 1931, 1936, and then after the 1936 flood, there was not a high river during hunting season until 1973. Yeah, it did, it all. Well, it, then it was like so. But then you have like these big gaps. There's like 1973, and then it doesn't do it again until 1990. Yeah, I mean, there under a normal year, yeah, the river comes up just about every year, but it's usually March, April. Yeah, I was. I looked at the last hundred years crest last night. And uh, I saw what you're talking about, and mm. then it'd go five or six years. It'd be you know April, May when it crests. Yeah, and all that was based on winter water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because even and runoff. Because even now, like so, you get up to like closer times, like the 1990. It flood stage during hunting season. Not you know 1990, 91. Then it didn't happen again in 2004, 2005. Yeah. And then since 2004, 2005, didn't happen until 2015. And 2015 was the first year that I saw it with my own eyes. Yeah. And But then it's happened 2015, 2016, and then last year and this year. Well, we did not have a high river 2016. Well, the 
the 2015-2016 season. Yeah, well, that's not, when it came, big yeah, flood. Not but, not uh, the 20, uh, excuse me, not the 2016-2017, yeah. but yeah. My, my first year here, we went throughout the season without having any water. Yeah. 2011 was a huge flood here, but it wasn't during hunting season. Yeah. But the, the thing you got to remember, too, is now, take like last year around here, especially here with, with all the controversy that's going on about the pumps and everything that's happened in the Delta, you had you had the perfect storm. You had the river up because of rains early in the season, which we all get the October November rains, and then you had the river flooding on the other side. So everybody was at, that was in the protective side of of the the levee system were getting all the rains. The river was up on outside the protective levee system, and the water had nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so well, we, uh, at Steel Bayou, they got that gate system they right. close once the river gets to right. a certain height, and then they can't open it till the river goes under that. Right. So all that backwater just backs up. And if you think about it, back in the day, we still had the rains, uh, and I know uh, the history of it, but you still had rain, you still had all that going, but the water didn't flow like it does now right down to the river because of so much good drainage mm-hmm. um, my honest opinion that's that's again it's opinion opinions are like elbows everybody's got two of them but um, now it's you know you used to wait for the springtime floods but now those springtime floods are starting you're still getting them but you already have a flood because of wintertime runoff that's it's I don't know you I don't think we'll ever see it in our day or time if it's a true spot on reason why i'm most sure it's a multitude of things so there's a yeah one thing i've learned there's always you may have like one big factor yeah but there's always several factors that goes with anything in nature yeah you never there's never like one thing where you can go that's it there's always it's like growing a big deer there's not yeah. one thing you can do to make that happen yeah there's like let get old yeah key well, factors I, and you look at those dates that you were just talking about what kind of levee system did we have that been that back then mm-hmm. I had the, to, the levee system didn't get finished till i think 1940 something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i mean they started on it in the fi- early 19 teens i think something or 20s like that, yeah I'd and to it go. changed a bunch as they while they were doing it the river you know they tried rerouting this and rerouting that and i can imagine what that was like mm. yeah i'd like, have to go do some serious research before i started trying to yeah spit out facts on that i just don't know them you know i don't know enough about it well it's like giles island you know that the original river went all the way around that place yeah i think it was 1942 yeah. they cut it in half to mm-hmm. make the river flow straighter and, i mean you think about that all affects the drainage yeah you always you know i mean and this is just like this isn't me saying any of this is fact this is just like how my mind works which is a a scary thing to let people see sometimes but you're like at some point and i know these you know the people that handle that the, the you know corps of engineers and all that they that's what they do their minds work that way mine doesn't but i'm like man that is a powerful powerful thing that you're manipulating manipulating yeah you know it's, what i mean it's crazy how they've done it's, it it's, it it's, really it's, is it's a uh, and to some degree and i mean and i get it like i said this is just me thinking but like like part of me is like it was intended to be this way. You know what I mean? And you, you can't, but I don't know. Uh, well, for them, everything was trial and error, and, and they were doing the best that they know how at the time because, in all honesty, they were learning as they went. They didn't know what that water was going to do. And the, and the, then, from what I've read and everything, the whole reason behind the, the levy systems and everything was to create economy. Oh, yeah. It was a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean that's uh, I mean that's where move stuff downriver. Go yep. look. I mean, go look at pictures. Started with the logs. Go look at the pictures of the Delta before the levee system. 
Yeah, Before all the agriculture. The That's landscape, why they called it a delta, yeah. The landscape of the United States has changed. Drastically. Yeah. Drastically. And it's still changing. We're seeing that now. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it always will, as long as humans inhabit it. You know, I mean, that's just what kind of what humans do. Yep. Like I said, and it, you know, it did. But to revert back to the original point, as we sit here at the camp house at Cottonmouth with one more afternoon to hunt before this high river shuts the season down. Because one last hoorah. One last hoorah. <laughs> well, right now, Arkansas is the only state open. Everything else is closed. Uh, yeah. I'm, well, Mississippi closes today, too. But, yeah. They both close once the Greenville gauge hits 48 feet. Yeah. I was hoping. I, I mean, like, it's seriously, it's funny because, you know, when we left here last year, when we got into the summertime or when we got into turkey season, you know, I kind of, especially when we're, you know, turkey hunting or whatever, deer season kind of falls, you know, goes to the back of my head. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think about it. And But as, like, I sit here, like, I, I feel like it was just yesterday that you and me and all, all of us went and sat on the Arkansas field and watched all those deer with the high water last year. So, you know. January the 28th. All of them, there were a bunch of them had already shed half the rack. And we <laughs> were like, Let's, this is not – worth it you know these deer are stressed let's go home yeah you know last year is this year is a little different because we've known the season was on close now for two weeks they hadn't really flip-flopped on the gauges at all yeah you know last year we were within a six inch rise of getting cut off for like three weeks in a row yeah. you know it was we da- just didn't it was know daily yeah we're like we could be here i mean because we had to cancel on levi yeah levi was supposed to come hunting last year and we were like dude they're supposed to close the season next week and yeah. then the next week gets here and they Kept it yeah, open, we're so. like, man, you can come down here, but we're just letting you know you could show up, and they shut the season down. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it. I had to cancel. Uh, Muscadine Bloodline was supposed to be here next week. Yeah, but it's a good thing that they didn't because they all they'd be able to do is float around the boat, and we could go. There used to be deer right there. <laughs> that right there used to be deer right there too. Enjoy your time at Cottonmouth. You know, I have been hunting on the Mississippi River now for six, seven years, off mm-hmm. and on. And yeah. It is a place I have really grown. It's special. It's a special hunting environment on the river. But it is, it can be mean to you. Yeah. Bad mean. It's a It's a feast or famine deal. You know, it's the greatest thing ever. Then when it turns on you, it's get out. Yeah. It, it's, um, you know, I always have to remind myself, like, that, that, because you can sit here and, you know, like, again, after last year, because last year was so bad because the water was up for so long. And you can sit there and you can hope, all of everyone did, you can sit there and hope, hope, hope that river doesn't come up again. But in reality, those hopes, that's all they are. You have no control. Like you, there's you have no control. All, I mean, it's all, there's no, like you can hope as hard as you want to. If that if that river <clears throat> wants to come up, it's going to. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. It doesn't care. <laughs> that river don't have any emotion. It's just going to do what it's going to do. And you have to work around it best you can. But I will say this, the last few days, you know, we've struggled all year trying to find deer. Yeah. Last few days has been awesome. It's been the best that we've had, really. Yeah. And it's a factor because of water. You know, water, we're not hunting deer on a 10-acre piece of land, but it's it's narrowed them down from 1,500 and for instance arkansas where we've been hunting this 15 1800 acres up there and it's narrowed them down to about 500 acres yeah so it's made it a little bit easier we're bow hunting that's still hard yeah and it's made it's it's made uh 
travel habits that weren't there before. Yeah. Like case in point, and we we can go into this more, but like now the the place that we've been hunting the past two days, there's a slough there now. Yeah, there wasn't and water it, there three days and ago. It, it's not like it's not like extremely influencing their travel, but it's influencing it a little bit. You know, some of those deer would walk through that slough, but some of them are walking down the edge of it. You know, so yeah. it's 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 changing every day. It's changing. Trying to bow hunt when the water comes up, it's pretty fun. Yeah, I'm mean, gonna lie about that. It's fun. You yeah. know, you're seeing different deer every day, and you can kind of figure them out because they're going to be changing going down through here once the water gets to a certain level, and it's, it's fun. I really enjoy it. But yeah. At the same it lets time, you, you see a lot of deer you didn't know you had, and exactly. it also lets That's, you kind of yeah. do a kind of gives you a, a census on what's there and you and you just hope and pray that we don't have this type of river we had last year and it saves for so long that these deer once the water goes down we all know they go right back to where they came from but um it's it's that rivers she's she's mighty and yeah. um it, it 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 changes a lot of things and i think one of the great things that we have even though we look at it as a the whole river is a negative there's a positive there i can only imagine i was thinking yesterday sitting in a tree here it is two years of of fresh new water and nutrients and everything coming to this ground and if that water is to go down you know the end of may first of june which we pray for can you imagine what's going to grow here oh we're yeah. going to have silly growth this year i mean our deer numbers are down which we've addressed this it's turned out to be a positive thing in some ways yeah yeah found and a silver lining and if we can get a good river year, which we're talking about a low river, where the deer can get all the nutrients they need, we're going to have some studs running around here. Which, here's another thing I thought of, you know, and I say this after talking about the levee system and wondering what it would have been like without it, but it makes me think, because there's, you know, talking about the river being like it was last summer, definitely taking some of our numbers away, whether or not, it killed all those deer whether or not some of them left and just didn't come back you know we i'm sure y'all know every, we've all heard the term we've all talked about it a carrying capacity mm-hmm. and that's one of the things i can remember learning it at mississippi state in a college class like every ecosystem every property has a carrying capacity and if it maximizes that carrying capacity nature will find a way to lower it back down yeah to a healthy state and so that's i was like i wonder <laughs> if nature's going Whoop, you know and, and break that down even more you know our place here different areas of the place have different carrying capacities yeah mm-hmm. i mean it's it's very night and day you know arkansas is probably one of my favorite places to hunt because it carries a lot of deer it's a lot of yeah. good browse up there a lot of good bedding and louisiana for instance is a lot of cottonwood plantations and yeah. low land and it doesn't carry as many deer yeah. comparing those two together is probably one of the best like compare and contrast that you can have especially since they literally i mean they bump up right next to each other mm-hmm. but it's almost a night and day difference when you look at the two and the, the way the concentration of deer from one compared to the other yep. well i've always said this about here uh and in, in louisiana if you look at it on the map the way it lays where mississippi and arkansas lay louisiana is kind of the piece of the of cotton mouth that the deer pass through it's the runway <laughs> they don't stay a lot don't get me wrong there's some good cover in there especially in those cotton woods early in the season the deer like to bed up in there but early season is fantastic it mm-hmm. is but when late season comes it's 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 just to and fro through there and and which is not a bad thing kind of gives you a buffer zone of being able to get where you need to be so i'm there again right now it's probably 15 foot of water and 
95% of Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> when we get high water, Louisiana's the first one to go. It's low land, you know. Yeah. It's fertile. Very fertile. Very fertile. Best food plots on this place grow in Louisiana. That's but they do. also the first food plots we lose happen in Louisiana. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's, yeah. uh, that's a, a very good scenario on how your character But although it sounds like we're talking about gloom and doom, we ain't done. No. no. That's just, we sit there. Well, I, I, we're, going, I, we're going hunting next week. I see, oh yeah, but somewhere else. I sit here with the with the running for the hills, boys. <laughs> take it to the high ground, and I'm still look. I ain't give up on this afternoon. No, we've y'all, been y'all y'all will be in the deer. I'm we did man. We've been seeing. We saw. Uh, let's talk about these hunts, you know. Yeah. And uh, first afternoon, me and Lake, and uh, we sat in a ground blind. We expected to have some deer come in range, you know. We that's why we went there. But the main thing was to go looking, you know, watching, see if we get anything patterned. And boy, did we! Mm-hmm. You know, we were sitting there the afternoon, hadn't seen much. About five twenty, here they came, and they were about I don't know fifteen deer all in a wad because they're all bedding together right yeah. now. And one gets up walking, they all come. It looked uncharacteristic of what you should see this time of year, I, unless you're having high water. Yeah, yeah. but. You know, we saw a good buck that afternoon, kind of pinpointed where they were moving through there and then moved in on them. Well, we watched one more day because we didn't have a wind to get in there on them. Right. Yeah, we kind of knew where we wanted to be, but we couldn't go there. And to break this area down, we're in a big hardwood flat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's some sloughs and stuff in there, but it's mostly just wide open hardwoods. Yeah. You can see 300 yards through the woods. Really, it's really open because of last year's flood. Yep. Usually in there, the dewberries are, you know. Yeah, five six foot tall and there is some sort of cover to the deer and they tend to travel in there a little bit different but yep. doing what y'all would do was key if it wasn't that open in there we probably I mean, we've seen some deer but we wouldn't have seen all that we have seen yeah just because yeah. the visibility is so open right now so mm-hmm. we uh we watched these deer for two afternoons in a row mm-hmm. had a shooter come in too dark i couldn't even see my pins and you couldn't hardly see them on camera so uh we watched them you can see them coming and they're just taking their time browsing there is still dewberry in there and that's what they're coming in there for right we thought they were coming in there to eat pecans yeah and but they turns out they're on browse yeah and i still i mean i didn't realize that until until we had some of those deer get i mean because i still assumed it was like pecans but then i every deer that we've seen close up i mean watch what they're doing it's like dewberries i mean yeah. those yeah. eight eight to ten days that we had of 70 degree temperatures right after christmas between christmas and new year's it really in that helped. area yeah it, it the dewberry just poof just yeah. went crazy so we watched these deer for two days kind of narrowed them down within a hundred yard range wouldn't you say like yeah and uh went in there with our climbers and climbed up where we thought the eggs would be and uh four o'clock here come a doe with two bucks behind her one yeah really really nice three-year-old eight point got some major potential uh yeah and uh, like if it'd be one of those like if he if he happened to like run a doe in like quick like oh you'd make a mistake yeah because like because rack wise he's there oh yeah me and you both had to go is that deer four no crap when i looked at him with my naked eyes like golly that's a big old deer he's gorgeous pulled a binocular like okay he looks looks a little young yeah don't let him see what he'll do in a year because like the, i mean like the even like the i don't know if you the, but me if me filming you i want like very big part of me wanted to go kill him <laughs> i mean just stand there like 15 yards don't yeah. get me wrong i wanted to bad yeah. but doing what we're doing here trying to grow mature mm-hmm. bucks that's what our goal is right you know, and he needs another year but them suckers came 15 yards just browsing the whole way the doe let them in there she was on them dewberries on that little ridge and he was right there. I mean, 
he was at 10 yards at one point i was like golly why can't you be a little older yeah, it was tempting <laughs> but man i was thought we were on x then and then later on the deer started really moving and they were all 75 yards yeah. and had a big eight point like 130 inch at least eight yeah. point who's real cool is like his tines everything kind of just kind of bent in almost oh, yeah. touching each other yeah but he's a big four or five year old buck just a big yeah. horse and he got out there at 75 yards browsing and i and uh, another little ten point came up. We've seen a bunch this year. Yeah. Uh, they kind of squared off at each other, and I was like, "Man, I'm he may come to a call." So I called and snort wheezed at him, and he looked and looked, and he never did see what he wanted to come look yeah. at. So which we, I mean, we had a big blowdown behind us, but like as I was sitting there, I was like, "I still I think a big key like we were talking about. I think those woods were just so open." Oh yeah. That that play, I mean, it was worth trying definitely because we had that blowdown right there. Yeah, but I think I think it was he was just like I should be able to see over there. Mm -hmm. But you had to try at that point. It was, you know. And uh, you and Brad hunted afternoon had an interesting hunt too, didn't you, Troy? Yeah. um, Same thing where we were as a place staying we home last week, and in in preparation of this water coming up, and it's it's right at the head of a slough. And we knew with that water coming up that it was going to keep pushing it up that slough. So we kind of backed the stand up and hunted it the first, first afternoon and watched a good many deer come through there. Um, but no shooters. And in the afternoon that we did hunt it, um, the water had come up about since we hung the stand probably two, three feet. And those deer, you would think, and, and I noticed this again yesterday because I hunted that same stand again yesterday after Brad left. Um, you would think that those deer would just follow the edge, go around the water, but they stay on that main trail and as of yesterday they were walking into that that water's pretty much belly deep <laughs> and they still taking that same trail swamp deer huh. and you would think man just go 20 yards to your left and go around the water but no they go right through it but um that afternoon we were sitting there and we saw a, a, a lot of deer um and when i say a lot of deer i think all together we saw 18 deer which is a lot that's a lot yeah, yeah. and small bucks young bucks and I looked up and I could see this dark blob, just this dark object object coming through the woods right down the edge of a, a cut timber, old cut line. And uh, I zoomed him on him and I'm like, holy smokes. All I could see is his basis because he had his head down, but I could see how wide his his chest was and just immediately can tell it was a, an old deer, um, mature. And, and my first thought when I saw him was Brutus. I just gave him a name, Brutus. <laughs> I've got that crazy and there's another deer in there that i named the other day called popeye because one of his eyes have popped out from fighting it looks like but anyway this big deer comes in there and he's he's coming right to us and, and i'll get brad's attention and i was like brad this deer's gonna walk right to us it's gonna be perfect because the first five or six bucks skirted us about 80 yards staying right down the edge of the woods and this deer didn't even think about taking that direction just coming right to us and he gets in this one little thicket and there's a little bit of water there, and I'm thinking, once he crosses that water, it's a done deal. Well, no sooner I think that, I look, and here comes three does from the left and cross right in front of him. And, of course, he's going to follow them, even though the rut's long over. You can tell. I know you guys have seen this where you watch a buck. He'll stand there and look at where he wants to go, but look at where everybody else is going, and he's thinking, do I go there or do I do this? And they changed his mind. He wound up following them, but deer was at – I don't know, all honesty, Brad had, <laughs> he had ranged a spot where the first few deer had went through was 52 yards, which is a makeable shot for 
today's technology and, and the equipment that we have and the practice that we all do. But anyway, this deer came and he was coming straight to that. Well, the does walked right by that spot. And him, instead of going right down that trail, he went about 10 feet a little bit past that. And uh, when Brad shot, he kind of whiffed right under him. <laughs> Happens. You got to try, yeah. though. <laughs> There's hope. And it's always fun because, you know, us as cameramen, you know, when you when you filming that kind of stuff, you see exactly where it goes to the viewfinder. It's like, and, you know, you, it hit the ground. And it, it, it almost sounded like it, it may have hit something. But I pan back to Brad, and he's like, what happened? I said, you shot low. No way. And once once we look, yes, he looked right. at it, yeah, and he, and he went and ranged it. He, he ranged it. He's like, ah, it makes sense. He said it was about six or eight feet past where I thought he should have been. It makes a lot of difference at that distance. It does. But, man, he was a total of a seven point, just a just a big old, old deer, tired, wore out from the rut. and A deer we hadn't seen all season. I've never seen him. I don't think, Jordan, yeah. you may have seen a picture of him. I don't. I don't remember seeing it. Well, that's one thing that I was one point I wanted to bring up is, you know, when we have like the high water like we have now, like it's always it's it's funny to me. And then it's like a good reminder that however good you think you are, you're not (laughs) because it happens every time we're like, where'd these bucks come from? Because I, I, I think out of all the shooters that I've seen since I've been filming you these past few days, I don't think I recognized any of them. Yeah. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> they didn't just went pop out of the ground. Yeah, I went yesterday afternoon, saw a buck that I recognized from the day that Brad and I hunted in there. He's an eight-point with both his threes broke off, and he walked the same trail, did the exact same thing. And he yesterday I saw eight different bucks, none of them big, just young deer, but out of the eight, only one I recognized. Mm-hmm. And yes, uh. yesterday, man, Lake uh, moved in where we saw that eight-point, another 40 yards trying to give him bow range if he did the same thing again. Yeah. Uh, the ten point that he squared off with showed up, and he was at ten yards for ten yeah. minutes. Is that the ten point you and I called up? Yeah, was well, we've seen him I think four or five times this year, and he and that's the same deer that Jimmy had on him, right? Exactly, with his crossbow yeah. when yep. he fell out the back of the blind. We've that's one of the first good rack deer we had on camera this year, and he's still hanging out within four hundred yards where we first saw him. Yeah, so. I mean, if you wanted to shoot him, you could. Oh gosh, he, you can tell he's young because he is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> And believe me, like I said, the same thing. I had like the same, well, not as like that eight point that was young. I, he was pretty. The ten point, I was like, eh, I kind of want Jordan to kill him. But then I was like, he's we shouldn't. Yeah. But if we get a good river like we're talking about, he'll be a giant. Yeah. So. But, Wait a minute, Jordan. You said young. How old are you? Thirty. Didn't be thirty. How old are you, late? Twenty, fit to be twenty-eight, and I'm fifty-four. So you said young and dumb. Yeah, I'm young and dumb. I no, mean, you're not. Lake's the youngest one here. Yeah. I'm still. I mean, I ain't ever gonna argue <laughs> that I'm not dumb. <laughs> but yeah. you're happy. You got me pegged. Huh? Like Brad says, he's he's dumb, but he's happy. I'm re- I'm reaching maturity. Ah, uh, Lake's not dumb. Yeah. But a little bit. Anyways, we uh was on the X yesterday. Had deer come within bow range. Just about every one of them. So hopefully today the right one come through there. Yeah. Well, as you know, the water's right now. The river's kind of flattened out. Yeah, it's going. It's not coming up as fast as it has been. And we talk about the season shutting down. I mean, uh, yeah, it closes today or tonight or in the morning, midnight, whenever it closes. But uh, we can hunt till midnight. 
Yeah. You just can't shoot because shooting hours are up. That's, no, that's one of the permissions when they have high water. You just kind of do but, what you got to do. But, yeah, the river is only supposed to rise according to the predictions, another, like, foot, and then it's supposed to start falling. But it's going to be sitting there at that kind of worry stage for about five or six days. So mm. pray no rain hits the Midwest. Well, if it'll just go down as fast as it came up. That'd be fine. It, 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 number one, it won't hurt the food plots that it's already affected which it will to a point, but I still think as far as the turnips and the and the, the brassicas that we have, the turnip bulbs will still be in the ground, so the deer will have some food yeah. when the water does go down. Because yeah. that's what we're concerned about at this point, because yeah. either, I mean, like, whether or not the water shot right back down after today, our season at Cottonmouth is done. Yeah. I'm worried about the water going down quick for the sake of the deer. That's like, right. When they, they get these deer unstressed. Well, know, have y'all noticed in the woods all the food that has been coming up, the hen bed and the just all the stuff that's growing green on the ground that that the deer are eating outside of dewberry mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of we noticed that yesterday and brad and i were looking at that about three days ago just uh, watching them go through there and go to those little you know you'd have little actually fresh. little dandelion bush or something they just walk right to it and eat every green leaf off of it and go to the next one yeah so mm-hmm. there's hope and there's always hope we just hope this river treats us good yeah hope whatever spot brad rounds us up to hunt in the hills next week <laughs> <laughs> bids as well so we, we're not we're done at cottonmouth but we're not done hunting no we got a little bit left in us you uh, don't know how quick turkey season's gonna get here fast not quick enough we leave here march <laughs> the 6th which is less than two months mm. month and a half holler i'm ready for it Wait, ready for it change of pace you know but, but in between that we do have a kick start which is the nwtf convention that's kind of the, it's kind of, to me, that's kind of like doves, the opening of dove season down here. Yeah, kicks off the hunting season. season. Yeah, kind of starts, you know, it, turkey uh, season's right around the corner. It, I'm always ready for turkey season just because that's probably my favorite thing to do. But yes. once I go to Nashville and hang out up there all weekend, I'm really ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> your turkey ups in your sleep. Yeah. Um, let's let's do one thing before we wrap this episode up. We've got, like I always say, we can we answer questions on here if folks send them in. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of the times, honestly, folks send in stuff all the time, but it's just like kind of like general topics they want us to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, not as much like just direct questions, but this time we have some. Uh, we had a fella ask us, like if you're, say you're hunting, with, I mean, let's say anywhere, the spot that you hunted with Brad, Troy, or the spot where you've been hunting, uh, but take the high water out of the equation just – you know you're hunting and a deer goes to blowing you know it gets downwind to you whatever deer goes to blowing but i mean not a i see the smirk on your face not a doe that you can shoot jordan you can't you can't shoot this deer but a deer goes to blowing in that area blows everything out you don't kill anything that evening so on and so forth how long do you think that stand is kind of ex-nade i go right back in there the very next day Jordan? Well, I'm going to tell you what I do. You know what I do when a deer starts blowing. Yeah. If I can't shoot it, I start blowing back at it. Yeah, I've seen you do that. And that usually calms them down. Or doesn't calm them down, but gets them out of there without screwing everything up as bad. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes it don't, <laughs> but it it, I, it works quite a bit. Troy, you seen me do it too. <laughs> but, yeah, I have. I think but, we've all seen you do it. <laughs> I've seen you do it. What is he doing? <laughs> It works. Sometimes. <laughs> this is my honest opinion in, on, on deer blowing. Um, 
we can't recognize it because we're not a deer. But I, I feel like when one deer is blowing, other deer know the intensity of what they're doing. Whether I, it's I agree with that. Whether it's they, they see something that's danger. Because, I mean, think about it. During the rut, goodness gracious, does blowing that bucks all the time that aggravate mm-hmm. the living daylights out of them. Um, and then, you know, right now with the water being up, and especially this year, we've all agreed that, especially in Arkansas, we have seen a running ton of coyotes. And we think that's put a lot of pressure on our deer. Uh, the other afternoon, Brad and I were sitting in the tree, and we had four different deer out in front of us in four different directions, upwind from us, not downwind, upwind from us, just start blowing squirrels yeah. were barking so in my mind i'm thinking there must be a coyote coming through that thicket yeah and and the deer blew for i don't know four or five minutes and then whoop, everything calmed down and there were deer standing there by us while these deer were blew. the first time that the one deer blew there's three different deer standing by us and all three of them turned and looked up the deer blew again blew again blew again and they all went back to feeding mm. like yeah. nothing ever happened yeah and i've I, seen i've seen that before where i mean like i i, I was actually filming brad in in the mississippi here at cottonmouth and uh, we heard a deer blowing, and Brad was like, first off, it was like faint. And Brad was like, is that a deer? I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, no way she's smelling us. She was upwind, mm-hmm. you know. And the blowing kept getting closer and closer and closer. And finally, we could see movement. It was a doe kind of like doing that kind of, you know how they do It's like that high step run they mm-hmm. do. And she was doing that behind a bobcat. Yeah. And the bobcat was running in front of her. And she was coming through the whole woods. Behind, she was standing about 10 yards behind it, blowing the whole way. Making and sure everybody knows where that bobcat is. And the is. whole time, the first time she did it, we had like three or four deer out in the food plot. Like, they looked, but then they just chilled back out and went back to eating. Yep. But to answer this guy's question or this lady's question, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, it really depends on the situation, yeah. too. I mean, if the deer are coming downwind of you, you might want to think about moving your setup back right. a little bit so you yeah. don't get smelled again or spooked again yeah. or whatever but one thing about this question in particular is they asked like kind of like what we were talking about they were like what if you know the deer's looking at you or the deer gets downwind of you and blows you get busted and they blow out. yeah or yeah. they were like if you're just hunting there and a deer kind of close by starts blowing if that happens i'm not worried about no. it no you know i mean like that like deer are gonna blow they're especially like down here where they're kind of spooky anyway i don't know how where this guy's from but deer are gonna blow i mean if know? it's the deer you're trying to hunt that you spooks from you that's or a problem. You, yeah. yeah he may not come back yeah. but if the wind's good and you've got confidence in the spot go yeah that's bottom line my, my opinion on it yeah even if like like you know, yeah, if, chances if, are the deer, the one deer you might be hunting may not have even been in that area to hear that deer blowing. Yeah. Well, well, you know, sometimes I mean, we've all seen it. Sometimes there's a buck that you are hunting, and a doe blows and runs, and he sees a run off, and he runs too. The buck don't know what happened. He just mm-hmm. sees the other deer running. So I mean, like kind of, if you're consistently having deer get downwind of you, think about adjusting your stand. Yeah. But, but mean, if it deer ha- do not have the same thought process we do, all they know is danger. Yeah. Or not danger, you know. Yeah. Well, they got they got three factors in their life: eat, breed, and survive. Yep. Yeah. And um, I, I've watched them in Canada hunt those cut lines, and I've watched those and young bucks come through and, and catch your wind and blow on that crazy. And then you watch a mature buck; he'll come in and hit your scent trail and just back up mm-hmm. and never say a word. Yeah. Um, you know, if again, like you said on the question, Lake, I think you answered it great. If 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 you're consistently getting busted in that area, you, you need to do something different. It's not what the deer are doing, it's what you're doing. 
uh, change your stand location, don't hunt it on a certain wind, or just, you know, sometimes moving 20 yards one way or the other makes all the difference in the world. Because mm-hmm. a deer are a creature of habit. They're going to want to keep coming to there. Uh, that's their home. Yeah, what they absolutely. do is kind of like me or you walking in a house and smelling some rank perfume. You're like, man, my wife must have got that free or yeah. something today. And the same goes for turkeys, too. I'm not afraid. If I booger one, I'm not afraid to go right back in there the next day or the no. day after. Yeah, no. It's, they, a lot of times, I think. I don't one, think a turkey can go 24 hours without getting spooked with by something. Yeah, well, well like kind of <laughs> turkeys are deer. They the wake same. up spooked. I think yeah. one of the things that hinders hunters a lot of times is kind of, and you you kind of highlighted it, is that they do not think like we think. Yeah. No. You know. Now, I mean, if you call in a turkey and miss him, you know, two, three times, then, yeah, that's probably, yeah. <laughs> you're probably going to have a hard time yelping it back in. But, you know. Only it, critters I've seen spooking them make a huge difference in, in being able to go back that day and find them in that same area and kill them is elk. Yeah, because they run so far. You elk, that joke will run to the next state. He could. If he's got the opportunity. And usually when you spook, especially if he's by himself, but if you're hunting him during the rut, you usually, you know, a bull and a bunch of cows. And if you spook a cow, everybody's gone. Sayonara. Yeah. Um, last question that we got is, so this guy hunts out of a climber a lot. And he said he used to wear his harness when it was convenient until, mm-hmm. uh, he didn't go into detail, but it says, it says one time he was wearing his harness and it bailed him out of an almost bad situation. Mm-hmm. So now he always wears it, which is a good thing. Always wear your harness. Um, so he was asking like when in a climber, how you position your safety harness i guess like not the harness itself but like the tether to the tree because it gets in his way i mean and at this point i guess after his almost accident in the tree he's not going to not wear it mm-hmm. um but apparently he kind it sounds like he says he likes to face the tree when he hunts that's which what is, i was thinking if it's getting in his way yeah. he's facing the tree which now i do that when i'm filming but mm-hmm. i do not do that when i'm hunting yeah typically i mean this is one of them deals it's better to have it on and yeah. Not, you know yeah yeah now, fig- figure out the inconvenience factor in that deal and just push it over to one side or you know the main thing yeah. is keeping it up high enough in case something does happen that you don't yeah. fall a long ways before it stops you the, the best i mean i guess referring to that the best thing i could give him is like consider not doing the face in the tree thing because that kind of takes care of that yeah um one thing and this doesn't happen all the time but like uh if you happen to uh you know, like if you happen to get in like a a big oak or something and you get up to a spot where there's a branch coming off right there, like, a, I mean, not like a small branch, but like a good branch, you make it tie the tether to that, that would help you out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, that's depending on whatever tree you're in. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's one of them deals you can't play around with. You need, no. your, yeah. need your harness on and need it in a position where yeah. it's going to catch you before you yeah. fall six feet. And, and, and the problem, you. too, of facing a tree and having that harness come over the back of your head or over your shoulder and facing it, if you if something does happen and you have a malfunction or you fall, when, when it does finally stop you, you're going to slam plan. your face right into that tree. And, you know, it, it may save your life and it, it could kill you, but, you know, to me, read the directions. Read what the safety harness manufacturer tells you to do or recommends for you to do because they've done the tests, they've done the studies. I can remember years ago working with Bromore Products, one of the first safety harnesses there ever were. Um, my, my dear friend Kim Norton, who just passed away this year, but I remember 
testing those safety harnesses we tested them with fireman's dummies and that's mm -hmm. how we checked it to make sure what would happen if you did fall and it would blow your mind at the things that your body would do when that when that happens so yeah do exactly what they say and and if it feels like it's inconvenient inconvenience in you in the way you hunt man how much more is is inconvenienced about not coming home Jeez. yeah ain't worth it mm -mm. um i said that would i, I can't honestly Cause i fell before and i can tell you falling 25 feet ain't no fun especially <laughs> when you hit the ground uh fell, falling off a chair ain't no fun to me. Uh, i can't think of i can't remember the last time that i bow hunted out of a climber when i faced the tree i usually just face it outward yeah you know? it just depends on what climber you got some like some it makes a they call it a 180 and it's designed to face the tree so yeah I, mean, I think a lot of people too in climbing especially with the climbing stand a lot of people say well i'll just climb and when i get up there i'll hook my safety harness up but man if, if you get there 15 minutes early and just take your time go up three feet slide your safety harness up go up three feet slide your, and just take your time and be careful you'll be fine mm -hmm. um man there's i'll never forget years ago hunting with a friend of mine and he had this younger guys in his teens hunting with him and we stopped to pick him up, and he was still in the tree. And I promise you, he was 30-some-odd feet up in that tree in the climber and never had a safety harness on. And when that kid got to the ground, whew, I was like, let me explain something to you, son. And he was as hard-headed as a brick wall when I was trying to talk to him. And I thought, all, all I could do was pray for him because he would not listen. And uh, about, well, the next hunt season, I heard about that kid falling and busted his shoulder and broke his arm and sad. Mm. and ain't no fun another thing it can happen to anybody oh yeah, yeah. absolutely anybody none of us are invincible when it comes to that no and i even like i don't care if you've been using a climber your whole life it still could happen to you you know it's just one of those things like you wear your harness and yeah. even yeah. if it is even if you try the you know if it still seems to be in your way i mean it doesn't just find a way around it mm -hmm. you gotta wear it yep um but yeah uh, i think yeah that's the only two we had to answer today uh we can go ahead and wrap this one up i think we covered yeah, everything about time for you two to go hunting yeah yeah getting there i gotta eat a biscuit first i think i'm gonna go spend some time while y'all hunting today i'm gonna fly the drone around and get some stuff for the flood it's kind of like you said in, in the beginning of this podcast it's deja vu how many times can you fly or shoot footage of the same thing that's been happening for the past two years mm -hmm. <laughs> don't know but one way or the other. All right, so that'll do it for today. Hopefully next time we'll have y'all some more updates on what our <laughs> – Maybe we'll have killed something. <laughs> maybe we'll have killed something or, like, have nailed down. We're like we're like some uh, – feel like a bunch of hunting bums right now. Like, y'all got anywhere that we can hunt? Yeah. <laughs> Cottonmouth's underwater. We got to go somewhere. Take me to high ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll figure it out, though. Uh, thank you all for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you have any questions, do not hesitate. You can send it to the Primo's Instagram page or Facebook page or my personal page if you need to. Either one, we will get to it. As always, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast.